Welcome to the Psalms, a call to words podcast where timeless truths shape today's words. I am your host, David Bunce, and I hope that you will be blessed as we journey through the great songbook of the Bible. Psalm 46 is perhaps best known for the hymn it inspired, which was by Martin Luther in the Reformation, and he said that we sing this psalm to the praise of God because God is with us and powerfully and miraculously preserves and defends His church and His word against all fanatical spirits, against the gates of hell, against the implacable hatred of the devil, and against all the assaults of the world, the flesh, and sin. Of course, this hymn was a mighty fortress is our God, still sung in churches today because it reflects the character and nature of God, the hope that we have in taking refuge and shelter in Him. Robert Godfrey says that Psalm 46 is a song that reflects the great strength that flows to God's people from their faith in the strength of God. The song celebrates God's deliverance of His people, and particularly His defense of Jerusalem, the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. In this psalm, the theme of Book 2 is developed quite fully. God displays kingship and strength in His earthly kingdom and citadel. The central verse of this psalm stresses the powerful presence of God in Jerusalem, and that would be verse 7, where it says, "...the Lord of hosts is with us." It is most likely that this was inspired by a his, by a historical incident, uh, likely when d- the Lord delivered Jerusalem from Sennacherib. He was the king of Assyria and the commander of the Assyrian army. You can read more about that story in 2 Kings chapter 18. And in the midst of hearing the taunts of the enemies of God, Hezekiah prays and pleads with the Lord in chapter 19, verses 15 through 19. And so then... We have the deliverance that God brings in the midst of a distressed people. He is indeed our fortress. Psalm 46. To the choir master of the sons of Korah, according to the Alamoth, a song. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of God, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. This psalm reminds us of the wonderful glory of God, the might of His strength and power, the sovereignty of everything that He controls and is over all that He has made. Even though there is chaos, the world is uh, in peril and destruction, the mountains 
trembling God steps in and is able to even bring the world to order. Chaos bends and bows to the God who creates all things. He is able to shatter. He is able to break down. He is able to humble. But he is also able to preserve to lift up, to to exalt, and we are able to praise God in the midst of our greatest difficulties and struggles. He is indeed our fortress. He is our refuge, our strength. Spurgeon comments that not our armies or our fortresses. Israel's boast is in Jehovah, the only living and true God. Others vaunt their impregnable castles placed on inaccessible rocks and secured with gates of iron, but God is a far better refuge from distress than all these. And when the time comes to carry the war into the enemy's territories, the Lord stands for his people, and he is a better stead than all the valor of legions or the boasted strength of chariots and horses. Indeed, God is the best place for safety. Are we running to him in our times of trouble? We should seek the Lord while he may be found, seeking his face, following his ways, keeping his commandments. All of these things are what the people of God do. They delight in his very near presence. He brings about safety, security. And again, we can think of the hymn, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. He is security, safety for his people. Even when the earth gives way, the mountains may be moved to the heart of the sea, uncreation, where God brings order out of chaos. There is also blessedness in the presence of God, the river whose streams make glad the city of God. We can think of Eden and all of its beauty and the rivers which flowed to it in uh, Genesis and how God is in the business of bringing restoration and redemption to his people. God is able to rule over creation, and he does. So, what do we do when we recognize God as our fortress? We go and behold his works. We look at the greatness of who he is, that he can make wars cease to the ends of the earth. Indeed, he is the Prince of Peace. He has sent Jesus to reconcile all things to himself. And what else do we do? Not only behold the greatness of his glory and splendor, but we can be still and know that he is God. This is a command to us that we are to wait on the Lord, to be still, not to think that we are in control of the earth, but know that God is. So, it takes a cognitive recognition of who God is to know Him, but it's also experiential to see how He has worked in the redemption of all things. And why? For His glory, for His exaltation, for His name to be made known and to be great throughout all of the earth. And then there's a final promise that we have, that the Lord of hosts is with us, that the God of Jacob is our fortress. This is such a wonderful consolation to us. And we hear this promise made to Israel, right? God is in the midst of her. Who is the her? It's Israel. She will not be moved. God will help her. He is going to come to the help of his people. This is a reassuring promise that even when things feel like chaos, when all is broken and breaking and falling apart in our world and even in our own individual lives, we know that God reigns and rules overall. He utters his voice even when the kingdoms are tottering, the nations are raging, the earth melts. In other words, God's power is so much greater than any power 
in the entirety of the universe. John Trapp observes of Luther, when he was in his greatest distress, he was wont to call for this psalm, saying, let us sing the 46th psalm in concert, and then let the devil do his worst. In other words, bring it on, because your power is so limited. The power of this world, the power of the flesh, the power of the devil, all limited. God's power, not so. His is unlimited. He is all-powerful, omnipotent, right? Omnipotent. God's power is eternal, everlasting, and unchallenged. Ultimately, of course, we see the greatest power of God demonstrated in the power of the gospel, breaking chains of slavery and freeing those who are His, bringing about the glorious works of God for us to know Him better to be able to surrender, to be still and know who he is. Uh, Kidner says, be still is not, in the first place, comfort for the harassed, but a rebuke to the restless and turbulent world. Quiet. In fact, leave off is the sense that this gives in the original language. And we can think probably of Jesus. And when he's in the boat and the disciples are fearful, the waves are crashing over the sides and they cry out to Jesus, don't you care if we die? And how does Jesus respond? Peace, be still. The world uh, listens to the cry of its creator, and all is silent and stilled by his mighty hand. Knowing that he is God should be something that we recognize who he is and then surrender to him. Edward says that our submission is to be such as becomes rational creatures, knowing God. God doth not require us to submit contrary to reason, but to submit as seeing the reason as ground for submission. Hence, the bare consideration that God is God may well be sufficient to still all objections and oppositions against the divine sovereign. In other words, we are silenced before God because there is nothing we can say before the Almighty One except to behold Him, to see His glory and His beauty, and to worship. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful psalm that gives us such peace, that it gives us confidence, it gives us serenity, that this is the glory of God, and you are above all things. No matter how chaotic the world feels, how anxious my own heart can be, Lord, let me look into your word and to realize that I can be still, trust in your sovereignty, trust in your almighty power and control over all things. Lord, for any chaos that maybe anyone's listening to this feels, may you give them confidence in your power and might, not in our own. We often are out of control, but we are able to trust in your sovereign power, your omnipotence that gives us hope, peace, comfort. May you be the refuge that we run to and you be our mighty fortress. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to The Psalms, a Called to Words podcast. For more content, just visit calledtowords.com. I hope you will join us again next time for more riches from The Psalms.